We've got to come together as women and find ways of having our voices respected and heard and moving the needle and supporting each other. You know, the hardest part of this is feeling like we're doing it alone and you don't have to do it alone. There is a sisterhood that will support you in reclaiming your life. And we're going to do that together. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you can become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, I am talking with Misty Williams, the fabulous host of a hot new online event called The Fix for Female Hormones. Misty is a powerhouse and has experienced a lot of ups and downs on her hormone journey that I know a lot of us can relate to. To be honest, many of the women that I have helped over the years had been to many other doctors before they had come to see me, and almost always their symptoms were either ignored or they were dismissed altogether. They were not listened to, and often they left the office without true answers and not exactly sure what to do next. It's the scariest feeling to know that something is wrong with you, but you don't know what it is or how to fix it. And it's hard to advocate for yourself, and this is a lesson that Misty has personally learned the hard way. Luckily, she is finally on the path towards healing her hormones after many years of seeking answers and on a mission to help other women advocate for themselves with her free online event, The Fix for Female Hormones. She has brought together over 30 experts in the women's health field, and I am so personally grateful to be one of those. I want to personally invite you to grab a seat to this upcoming event. You can register for free in my show notes and also grab this epic gift that she has provided us, which is a free chart in hormone lab testing so that you have a sense of how to test your hormones, what to look for, and how to guide or be a part of the conversation with your functional practitioner. The link is going to be found in the show notes at drmarisa.com slash episode 38. Now, before Misty comes on to share her incredible wisdom around becoming your own advocate and getting to the root cause of hormone imbalance, I want to quickly sing her praises. A 15-year entrepreneur and digital marketing strategist, Missy spent years struggling to reclaim her health and vitality after a botched surgery to remove an endometrial cyst, followed by debilitating brain fog, extreme fatigue, tanked hormones, unexplained weight gain, 45 pounds in four months, hypothyroidism, thyroid nodules, and premature ovarian failure. After her doctors told her they didn't have answers outside of drugs and surgery, Misty embarked on an arduous path of finding answers to reclaim her energy, brain power, and figure. She founded HealingRosie.com to provide women with resources and a community to successfully confront the unexpected chronic health issues that are often experienced by high-performing women as they age. Welcome, Misty, to the Essentially You podcast. How are you doing today? Oh my gosh, I'm so good. How are you? I am wonderful. I am especially wonderful knowing that we're going to be talking about a topic that I love, girl. 
And I am so excited to get right into it. You know, I am one, I'm so happy to be a part of your incredible summit, which I'm hoping you talk a lot about today, really helping to support women in their hormone journey, which is what I am all about. But I want to talk specifically about you for a moment. I want people to get to really know you. So let's let's begin from the beginning. I know that your journey started with a, a routine physical where you were asked by your doctor to do an ultrasound because, well, one, you were 30, 35, single, and concerned about your ability to have children. And what happened in that experience? What did that journey lead you to? Yeah, well, this was, so I'm 43 now. So this was about eight years ago, which is hard to believe. Like that's like almost a decade, but it doesn't feel like it. But I had been for the last probably three or four years leading up to that appointment, I had been looking into having kids as a single mom. I have always had a great career that I loved. I've been doing marketing and business development for my clients. Um, At that time, I'd been in it for about 10 years with my own business. And I dated, but I hadn't met someone that I wanted to start a family with. And I really wanted to be a mom. So I had been looking into things like a single mom of choice and other communities where people like me who, you know, hadn't met a partner, but were getting older and really wanted to be mothers were doing their research and figuring out what options were available to them. So that was kind of my world and my mindset at the time. So I asked my doctor to check my fertility and went in and had an ultrasound tech, you know, rubbing that like little device all over my belly. And at one point she started poking left kind of above where my left ovary would be and asking me, does that hurt? And of course she couldn't tell me anything because she wasn't the doctor, what she was seeing, but it set off the alarm bells. So my doctor called me up after that appointment and said that I had a cyst on my left ovary about the size of a cantaloupe and that they were going to need to do surgery. And she referred me to an OBGYN. And that's kind of where my whole journey started. I wasn't experiencing symptoms at that time. I experienced a lot of symptoms after that surgery. A lot of things kind of started coming unraveling for me with that surgery, but it was really kind of an innocuous. I just wanted to see how my fertility was doing. So it was an outpatient surgery. It was supposed to take about 25 to 30 minutes. And I was sent home with instructions, you know, that instruction sheet that says, if you experience any of these symptoms, here's all the things you do. And if it's really severe, then, you know, you go to the emergency room. So I did the surgery, it took them about two and a half hours, because while they were in there, they um, discovered that I had endometriosis. So they spent an extra couple of hours removing scar tissue from my entire abdomen, they found three polyps inside of my uterus that they had to remove. They removed my left ovary along with that endometrial cyst that they found and sent me home. So I went home and within about 24 hours, I started vomiting. And the vomiting wasn't on the sheet, by the way. There was nothing that said, if you're throwing up, here's what you do. And at this point, you go to the emergency room. And for the next, this was on a Thursday that I was sent home, I started vomiting Friday morning and the entire weekend, I couldn't get a hold of anyone at the doctor's office. And Monday, I was supposed to have a follow-up appointment by phone with my doctor. And this is kind of like, you know, they try to make everything more efficient. So they don't want to admit people after surgery if they can streamline the process and send you home, you know. So I was supposed to have a follow-up visit uh, by phone on Monday. I called my doctor at 4.30 because she hadn't called me for our 3.30 appointment. And the people at the doctor's office said that she'd gone home early because she wasn't feeling well. So 
I'm freaking out by this point. I have not even been able to hold down water. My abdomen is like bloated up like a huge balloon. And so Tuesday morning I go in and uh, check in at the front desk at 9 a.m. when their office opens. They're like, she's not going to be here until 1230. She has appointments at other places. And I was like, well, I'm not leaving. Um, at this point, I had left so many messages for the office. Nobody had called me back. And about an hour later, I got a call from the doctor instructing me to go to the emergency room at Baptist. So I was living in Nashville at the time, went to the emergency room. They did an MRI and saw that they had stitched up part of my small intestine when they were suturing me after the surgery. So wheeled me into surgery again and admitted me to the hospital this time. I was admitted for several days and went through all the recovery there. And at this point, like I'd kind of been ripped into a vortex of my life. Everything that I'd been working on professionally had come to a halt. I was one of these women who was super independent and I was one that always could be counted on by other people and was always there for them in their time of need. But I was terrible at asking for help and support. So I didn't ask any of my friends to like support me at the hospital. I called a friend that I barely knew for a ride home because there was something about calling people that I really knew that was too intimate for me. I don't know. It's interesting when I think about where I was at that point in my life, but went home and for the next six days after I was released from the hospital, I didn't sleep a week. So it's, it's almost hard to articulate what that's like if you haven't gone through like severe insomnia like that for you to lay in bed for eight, nine, 10 hours and just be dying to sleep and not be able to and get up the next day and just keep rinsing and repeating. I thought I was losing my mind, but the surgery and the second surgery, plus everything that happened at the hospital, they put me on Ambien while I was in the hospital because they wanted to make sure that I was sleeping. And I think there's probably a lot of different factors that really threw things off for me, but I went through it. I went through the ringer and my body, like I said, I'd, I wasn't experiencing a lot of symptoms before, but after all of this happened, I started experiencing crazy symptoms. I had like terrible, terrible brain fog. I couldn't think well. It felt like my brain was full of cotton and like my thoughts couldn't get through. It was bizarre. I was completely exhausted all the time, no matter how much sleep I got. And I was having all sorts of appetite issues, mood issues. It was crazy. I finally went in for a follow-up visit with my doctor and she officially diagnosed me with endometriosis at that visit. And when I asked her what I needed to do with this disease diagnosis, she said, we don't really know what causes endometriosis. You can Google it. I can put you on birth control and we can do surgery again. And I walked out of her office feeling like my body had been hacked. Like I'd come in with a dollar sign above my head because I had this cyst, you know, and everything that for the next few months, as I would go back to doctors with the symptoms I was experiencing, I was constantly told that my labs were fine, that everything was normal, that they could refer me to someone, but they really didn't have a basis to refer because my labs were fine. I, I felt like I was in the fight for my life, like coming off of this because, you know, I work for myself and I need to be able to provide for myself. I need to be able to take care of my clients. And I was a mess. My body was a mess. And it was really scary. It was a really scary time. Mm, I can imagine it was a really scary time, you know, going from just wanting to check things out to there being these emergency alarm bells and someone just taking your health into their hands without really a, felt like a lot of responsibility or care and concern. You come out the other end, kind of getting spit out 
with no real understanding of what to do, you are running your own business, so not a lot of other people to rely on to help support you at this time, and something else is going wrong and no one's giving you the right answers or no one's willing to really truly investigate. And so in this state of fear and probably confusion and just a lot of emotions happening, body not functioning properly, what felt like the next step for you? Where Did you feel like you were on this major crusade? Were there moments where you were just like, forget this. This is too much for me. What did that next step look like for you? Yeah, well, I couldn't forget this. It would have been nice to, but I felt like if I don't figure this out, it was scary to think of what might happen for me professionally and my ability to provide for myself. So I just kept advocating. My primary care doc that had referred me initially, she's the one that had found the cyst, was really uncooperative and was frustrated that I kept saying something is wrong. I want you to investigate further. And she kept coming back with, but your lab's are normal and everything's fine. And I'm like, but it's not fine because here's my symptoms. And you just removed my left ovary and spent the doctor spent two hours removing endometrial tissue from my abdomen and clearly things aren't fine. So she finally referred me out to an endocrinologist and this endocrinologist let me talk, listen to what I was experiencing told me the same thing that she said, that all my labs were normal, that everything looked fine. And while we were talking, she came over and lifted my chin up and started touching me on my throat. And she said, you know, I think you you might have nodules on your thyroid. And like, I'm already kind of in this freaked out state of alarm. And she's saying that and I'm like, what? (laughs) So she took me back. She did an ultrasound. Sure enough, I had huge nodules on my thyroid. And it was a rinse and repeat of my previous conversation. Okay, nodules on my thyroid. What causes thyroid nodules? Why are they there? Well, we don't really know what causes thyroid nodules. I want to do a biopsy and make sure it's not cancerous and I can refer you to a surgeon to have them removed. So by this time, I'm like, I don't want anybody removing anything else from my body. She did my labs. The nodules were benign. And when the lab work came back, she told me everything was normal. So I, this, this is about six months in. And over this time, I had started spending time with a friend of mine who was a chiropractor. He started teaching me about some of the fundamentals of good health that I had virtually ignored, a big one being sleep. So I was working on dialing my sleep in, which took forever, by the way. And I know this is probably in your community. There's a lot of women who struggled with different kinds of sleep issues, but it took forever for me to to get sleep on the right track. I, from 18 until 35, actually I was 36 by this time because I had a birthday. From 18 to 36, I had never gone to bed before 2 a.m. I was a total night owl. I loved getting that second wind at 9 p.m. and just having this rush of energy and, and working through the night. So I had started working on my sleep and I had found another doctor who was a neurosurgeon who was pretty well known in the paleo community at the time who was talking a lot about what goes on in the body to create dysfunction. Obviously, he was talking about a lot of the functional medicine stuff, and I became a student. And I started reading about things. I started learning about a lot of things that I wondered if I had going on, like obviously thyroid stuff. And I did some research around thyroid nodules. And the only thing that I could really find to explore further was Epstein-Barr. So in the literature, Epstein-Barr causes thyroid nodules. That was about the only thing that I was able to find that could potentially have caused the nodules. But a lot of my other symptoms were really pervasive. And I started learning about like the hormone cascade and how LDL cholesterol plus T3, which is your 
the active thyroid hormone plus vitamin A equals pregnenolone, which is the mother hormone that creates all your other hormones and how that connects over to, to cortisol. And when you're under a lot of stress, your hormones shunt to cortisol instead of the rest of your sex hormones. And, you know, I really went for probably the next, I don't know, six to eight months into like this vortex of what is going on in my body. Doctors aren't helping me. I've got to figure some of this out. And I started making a little progress. And the big thing that I started picking up on with my doctors is if I didn't have something in my lab work for them to research further, something that was a miss or a rye, then I wasn't going to get any help from mainstream doctors. And I started learning that bioidentical hormone replacement would likely help with a lot of the symptoms that I had been experiencing. I started learning about endometriosis and estrogen dominance, which contributes to a lot of female conditions, not just endometriosis. So it was really kind of a learning time. And I started piecing together optimal lab values and just different things to help me advocate for myself. And I just kept chipping away trying to figure out what do I need to do? How do I need to approach things to get better? I did radically change my diet at this time. I went full paleo, got rid of gluten, got rid of nightshades, started working on gut healing, all the stuff that we kind of know in the functional medicine space that really helps, the ancestral uh, health space that can really help get your health back on track. So so yeah, it was it was a lot of doctors saying I was fine and me just feeling like I was on my own mm. is what it was. Mm. Yeah. And in this journey, you know, talked a little, you know, feeling like such a big lesson here and, and a hard lesson to learn that we really do have to be our own advocates. And we're really having to go to bat for ourselves and kind of doing our own research. And I know that can feel very overwhelming, but sometimes it's just what we have to do. There's this scenic route that we got to do to get over there. In this experience, in this discovery of what was happening with your body and getting more clarity around the thyroid functioning, your hormones functioning, besides kind of revamping your diet, which I know is so foundational, was there anything else that really helped to get you feeling like yourself again? There was a lot of things, but I, to be honest with you, I, let's see, that was the first couple of years of my journey. I I didn't really start feeling like myself until the last couple of years. So it was five years of just a crazy roller coaster. I had a really hard time finding even a functional medicine doctor to help in Nashville. I worked with a functional medicine doctor briefly. I found an integrative medicine doctor, but they, they really didn't want to help me either. I was actually fired from one doctor's office because I was really pushing for them to look closer at my hormones. So one of the things that was crazy about two years in that happened, or maybe it was two and a half years in, is I started gaining weight. I gained like 45 pounds in about three or four months. Unexplained, out of the blue. I was doing all the health stuff at this time. You know, my I've been working on my sleep for a couple of years by now. I was eating cleanly. I was working out with a trainer. I had done a lot of stress mitigation stuff. You know, I was wearing the amber glasses at night, really paying a lot of attention to light cycles and, you know, what I was exposing myself to in my environment. So all these things I had been applying to suddenly gain 45 pounds was like, what is going on? That's and a I actually big amount of weight. I mean, it's a lot. And I'm five two. I'm a little girl. So it was insane. And even going to doctors saying, I just gained 45 pounds. I kind of, it was the, they were looking at me like, um, what did yeah, you do we know, wrong? We know how people, we know how people gain weight. Right. Exactly. You know, kind of it's, you're eating cookies in the closet kind of thing. Like I, I know you're telling me that you eat well, 
And I knew at this point that it wasn't about food. Like, I mean, I, I knew what I was doing at home. And I think that's what made it even scarier is this was happening to my body. I had ballooned up over 200 pounds. And, you know, where was this coming from? So, yeah, I connected the dots now, though. I know now what happened looking back. I had had the mercury fillings removed from my mouth. I had two fillings that had failed and they did not dam the mercury. So yeah, all of that mercury, they had, they just drilled it out. It went up into my brain, into the hypothalamus, down into my thyroid. And within a couple of months, I'd started gaining the weight and no one ever asked me about heavy metals. It was never asked in any of the doctors that I went to any doctors ever. So I went to two functional medicine doctors out in Nashville. I've been to two different functional medicine doctors here, here in Austin. And I love the doctor that I'm working with now, but nobody ever asked about metals. And in my history and everything, I don't remember a question ever coming up about metals and anyone ever connecting those dots. But, but that was clearly the triggering event when I put a timeline together and listened to some of the interviews that were are part of my summit coming up. It was like, oh yes, it was the metals that did that. And I'm actually about to start on a metals protocol right now. So, so yeah, it was, I have learned so much about advocating myself. I know, I know things now about health and managing my own health and lab work and protocols that I never dreamed in a million years I would even care about, you know, but I had to figure out how to save myself. And the fortunate thing for me in my personal journey was because of what I do for a living, because I'm a digital marketing strategist and have been doing it a long time and I'm very good at it, I was able to kind of pair that with functional medicine and the paleo community and get access to a lot of doctors and health practitioners and other thought leaders who had really figured some of this stuff out. And that that started helping me to move the needle. Dialing in my sleep helped a lot. Getting on hormone therapy, I did get on hormone therapy right after. So I went in after the four months and the 45 pound weight gain, I saw a doctor who ran a bunch of labs and my labs came back showing that I was in premature ovarian failure. My LH, I might butcher this because I don't have my labs right in front of me, but I believe my LH was super high. And she referred me out to a gynecologist because it seemed that my remaining ovary was failing. I was 38 years old. So they put me on hormone therapy because of the premature ovarian failure. And I actually lost about 20 pounds from the hormone therapy and definitely a relief. Like I knew, and I'd been hearing that hormone therapy could help with the symptoms, but I had a really hard time getting the lab work correlation and knowing what my labs needed to look like. Like what are the labs that you need to run to be able to see where your markers are so that you can actually get this kind of help. That, that was the, honestly the hardest part of my journey My thyroid labs have been low since 2012. I just got a thyroid diagnosis last year of hypothyroidism, and my thyroid went lower than it had ever been, but I was subclinical hypothyroid all those years and just wasn't working with a practitioner that would acknowledge it. So a big part of the battle is, number one, knowing what you need to do yourself and what are the things that I can do because I can't count on a doctor, but then how how can I advocate for myself for some of these other therapies and treatment options that could be helpful, but they require a prescription. So it's been a dance of learning how to advocate and figure out what do I need to know to get the attention of a doctor? And then what can I actually do myself? And I've never stopped advocating. Even the doctors that I have now, I I was able to ask for the four Epstein-Barr 
tests that you need to properly diagnose Epstein-Barr. So several years ago, they only ran two of those tests that these markers show that you had a previous infection, but they don't show that you're currently infected. And I didn't know what to do about that as a patient. I didn't intuitively, I was like, I have these nodules on my thyroid. I think something's going on with Epstein-Barr, but I didn't know what truly needed to be tested. So I figured that out and have asked my doctors to run the labs. And I just finished phase two of a three-phase homeopathic Epstein-Barr protocol that I'm doing with uh, Ryan Freisinger. That's giving me my energy back. Oh my gosh, my energy levels are are pre-surgery now, you know? So even though my energy has definitely improved over the years, like it's significant since I've started dealing with the Epstein-Barr. That's been really, really huge for me. And so interesting too, because we've got two different pieces happening, which I really want to bring to people's attention. You know, we're trying to figure out this root cause. Clearly, the symptoms that we're seeing are being are the result of the Hajimoto's, right? The the lower active thyroid, which is running your metabolism. It's allowing you to lose weight, allowing things to run like a fine-tuned machine and helping with our energy and our and our mental acuity. And we've got two specific areas. We've got the heavy metal, the toxicity that's happening, because your poor endocrine gland is taking the brunt of that right there, the thyroid. But then we have these infections, this Epstein-Barr viral infection that's also queuing up. You know, and that Epstein-Barr virus could also have been queuing up what happened with the endometriosis. I mean, it could be very much interconnected. And so I really, what I want to emphasize is, you know, what a journey this has looked like. And we're talking about your energy is coming into play, right? You're starting, you're finally starting your heavy metal protocol. You're just in the middle of of the Epstein-Barr protocol and starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so just emphasizing the importance of, a lot of these things aren't quick fixes. We don't we don't get to turn it all around. I mean, lifestyle is so important, but there are definitely times where you got to dig in and figure out what else is going on. Yes, and a couple of things that I noticed in my own journey is I had these major stress events. And one major stress event set the stage for the next major stress event, which set the stage for the next one. So the first one was obviously the surgery. That was actually the first major stress event. If I could go back, I wouldn't have done that surgery. I would have explored systemic enzymes and tried some other protocols to see if I could have managed my situation a little bit better without doing the surgery. Not Maybe I still would have had to do it, but it would not have been the first thing knee jerk that I would have done, you know, but I didn't know any better. And what was hard about the surgery, it wasn't even the surgery itself and removing the scar tissue it was that my small intestine. It was a complication. Yeah. That's right. So that was the first major stressor going through all of that and then trying to get on my feet from that. And then the next really major stressor was the heavy metals. I actually did um, do hormone labs within about a year of the metals issue. And I like deeper labs. It was a Genova complete hormone panel. And so it's a 24 hour urine lab. And that lab showed that I wasn't methylating at all. And methylation is the way that our body basically helps us to detoxify. And my system was completely shut down. So I wasn't, I wasn't moving anything like the, the metals and everything were there. And my body was, I was gaining weight really for my body to save my life, getting that out of my bloodstream, you know? So that was another major stress event. And I, I was dealing with things with my doctors when, with the weight gain where I felt like it was such a big deal and diet wasn't helping. And that's super, super scary when you can't do, you can't go on a diet and see the scale move, especially when you're dealing with that kind of weight gain. So the hormone therapy really helps me. But the next thing that I did, I was recommended by a functional medicine doctor 
that was part of another summit that I did several years ago to look into HCG. And I ended up doing HCG and HCG took off the rest of the weight for me. But even something like HCG is so controversial. And there's a lot of people who would poo-poo it and, you know, mount their defense of why you should never try it. But as a woman, I knew that having my weight up like this, like everything was off in my labs. My inflammation markers were high. My cholesterol numbers and triglycerides were like off the charts. Like there was so many things that were off and awry because I was carrying all that weight. Like the most unhealthy thing for me to be doing was carrying that weight around. But I couldn't get doctors really to even acknowledge that that was a legitimate concern that we needed to really do something about. And that was super, super frustrating for me. So, so yeah, I had, I had the heavy metal stressor and the weight issue. Getting the weight off did a ton to help control a lot of my symptoms. My brain started functioning better. My energy definitely improved um, with just getting the weight off. But it isn't perfect. And I think what's happened in my situation is I'm just now, after seven years of knowing that things were off, really able to go after the immune stressors. Even though I had labs ran that showed I had stuff going on with my immune system, it's not enough. Like you can go to a conventional medicine doctor and have them run these labs if they'll even do it for you. And just because they see that you've got these markers doesn't mean that they're trained to do anything about it or even to acknowledge that it's really a problem. So I have the added challenge of, all right, I know these are in my labs, but who's going to help me fix it? And I've just in the last couple of years found the practitioners that really, really know how to help you fix it. So, so yeah, it's totally been a journey. And there's a lot of things that I've been able to do myself to move the needle. And then there's a, there's some help that I've gotten from doctors along the way. But I would say in the last 24 months, especially like all the dots are connecting and I'm saying, oh my God, here's what we have to go after. Whenever we start dealing with the flabby, foggy and fatigued symptoms, we have to look at the immune stressors, see what's going on with our immune system. We've got to look at heavy metals. We've got to look at mold. We've got to look at gut issues you know, some of these, these other areas that are contributors to these symptoms that we're feeling, we're not, certainly as a society, we're not conditioned to look upstream at what might be going on to create this. And most of the medical community isn't either. It's only really this, I kind of think of it as an underground, this underground functional medicine community that certainly is getting a lot more traction in a more mainstream way over the last few years. But this underground community has started really looking at why is the body experienced disease in the first place and how do we actually reclaim our health? How do we reclaim our vitality? And it's so refreshing for me to have found this community and to found doctors that are supporting me in that goal because there were years that I went to doctors that would not get on board with me wanting to lose weight, wouldn't get on board with me wanting to have more energy and not being happy with the way that my energy had tanked. So yeah, it's a messy journey for sure. And I'm not alone. No, no, you're absolutely not. I mean, this is, you know, we're listen, as women are listening to this interview, I feel like a lot of us can relate. You know, when I've looked at the crux of my, the root cause of my hormone issues, I mean, it's definitely, it's, you know, in the beginning when I was younger, it was lifestyle. You know, I was very stressed and I was running a very fast paced life and I wasn't taking care of myself and that was falling apart too. And we do see that. But then we start to look at all of the other, you know, kind of the tipping 
point triggers like pathogens, like toxicity. Those are the big triggers that really send us into these spirals. And it is difficult to navigate because oftentimes with labs, you know, it only you really only begin to see indicators on labs when things are really bad. You know, I call them like that's mm-hmm. the red light zone where things are, you know, if they're showing up on labs, it's a problem because oftentimes it's a lot of our symptoms that we see with women in that we you you experienced a lot of it was subclinical in the beginning mm-hmm. and or they weren't looking in the right direction. And from what I understand too, I mean the struggle, the frustration, the the, the the journey that this has been for you these last five plus years, I know has inspired you to create a mission because I, I'm, a, I'm guessing that you've talked to a lot of women who have very similar stories to your own. Yeah, I have talked to a lot of women. And I it's funny how you start going through this stuff. And for me, like, you know, I had girlfriends that watched me gain 45 pounds. And, you know, about a year later, I had lost the weight again, but they kind of watched me go through all of that. And they, they heard the stories of what I was dealing with, with my doctors and the fatigue and, you know, all the different things. So when they start experiencing their symptoms, you know, they reach out and want help. And what's really interesting about this area is, and what's hard about this area is I wish I could tell my girlfriends, you know, oh, you want help? Here's the formula, six steps, you know, and you can get this thing on the right track again. It's really not that simple. And no matter what I'm able to do with my girlfriends to kind of point them to resources, the thing that we all need more than anything is an idea of how to advocate for ourselves and some sense of what we're actually fighting against so that we can get traction. And that's really what's inspired me to want to do more. You know, for the last three years or so, I've had the privilege of being able to handle all the marketing for the largest paleo conference in the world, Paleo FX. And I love that, you know, I, it's given me access to amazing thought leaders in our space. It's, you know, helped me to continue to make huge strides in my own healing journey. But one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of the protocols that we talk about and a lot of the, the biohacks that really work well in our space for men don't work so well for women. And I have a lot of those private conversations, even with other practitioners of like how much harder it is for women to move the needle on their health and to get traction than it is for men. And that really just comes down to our bodies being so much more sensitive to our environment than a man's body because we're the perpetuator of the species, you know? So my heart has really been for the women in our, not only in our movement, but in our communities, the women in my family, my girlfriends back home, you know, like I want women to have access to the knowledge and information that I've been able to uncover without all of the travailing, you know, without the years of spinning their wheels. I mean, I'm a really stubborn person. I can go to doctor after doctor as they're telling me that my labs are fine and things are normal. And I can hold my ground and say, no, they're not fine and they're not normal. And it's, it's not okay just to pretend like all of these things aren't happening to me. But there's a lot of women who don't necessarily have the time or energy to be able to take that on. And I want to support those women in being able to to get healthy. So yeah, this has been something that's kind of been burning in me. And I'm really fortunate that the the people in our movement have caught the vision for, for what Healing Rosie can be. And for this summit that we're doing together that um, Marisa, you're part of, we've been really blessed to have a lot of people buy in and, and want to make the difference and lift the boats for, for women. And so that's really what the Fix for Female Hormones is 
all about is taking all the things that I've learned over the years and hopefully compacting that timeline. You know, I'm in this awesome stretch right now of just like breakthrough after breakthrough on the health front. And I'm totally getting my life back and my energy back. And it's fantastic after seven years of so much struggle, you know, and what I want for women. And I know what you want for women. And it's what motivates you and all of your work is to be able to, you know, condense that down and acknowledge what you're experiencing. I want to acknowledge the struggle. And then I want to say, here's the path, you know, um, and provide the tools. One of the free downloads actually for the fix for female hormones when people sign up for this free online event is a lab tracker because the number one thing that I've been able to use to advocate for myself with my doctors is lab work. And it's not enough. If you go to your doctor and you ask them to run your labs for you, you know, they're going to have their labs that they run. They're like, not likely to run the right labs. So you need to know what labs you really want run. And you can usually get doctors to run a full list of labs at your request around the time of your physical each year. So you want to know what are those labs? And then you want to know for yourself, what do these labs mean? If I'm optimal, if my health is in a good spot, what would my numbers look like? If I'm skewing low, what does that mean? If I'm skewing high, what does that mean? And so I partnered with my friend Chad over at Maximize Genetics, and we put together a lab tracker so that women can download this at the onset of this journey that we're taking together and get an idea of what labs they need to run so that they can start advocating for themselves with good lab work and learn what's going on in their own body too. Oh, I love that. I think that that is such a great tool set to have. And you're absolutely right to be able to have a place where you can track what you're seeing in your labs based on what you've been told or what what's showing up, I think is such a great tool. My audience is always asking for that. And so I really want to encourage everyone. I feel like, you know, a lot of listeners today, if you're listening, there's a lot of things that you're going to be able to relate to when it comes to Misty's massive journey. And so I'm so grateful, Misty, that you've brought together all of these incredible experts. I, for one, feel so honored to be a part of this amazing event and amazing movement on really the fix for our hormones. I mean, this is this is what I do. And you're right. This is what I was put on the earth to do. I, I love to serve women at this capacity. And that's such a wonderful freebie. So tell us a little bit more. When is it going live? I know people can register yeah. for now. And I'll have a link in the show notes so everyone can go and get linked up. So I want to encourage you guys to register today to get that wonderful freebie. But when when do we go live, my dear? Yeah, so the Fix for Female Hormones launches on October 1st. I have pulled together some of the top experts in our space to talk about all the different facets of reclaiming our health and vitality. So we definitely have some really awesome conversations happening around hormones themselves. But the thing about hormones is, is they're at the effect of everything else going on in the body. So for example, my hormones tanked and my thyroid hormones have tanked because of, in part, because of heavy metals, right? So yes, I'm on hormone therapy, but that's not nearly enough. Like the fact that I have to be on hormone therapy is a tell that something deeper in me needs to heal. So I went out and found awesome, awesome experts to talk about heavy metal toxicity and what you can do to heal heavy metal toxicity. People like Dr. Christopher Shade, and his Quicksilver Protocol, and Ryan Freisinger, who is an amazing geneticist here in Austin that I've been working with over the last about 10 months now, who's really been able to help connect the dots for me in my own healing journey. So I I wanted to shed some light on this whole hormone conversation and not just 
talk about hormones themselves, but talk about kind of the outliers that all affect our hormone health so that people had resources and a reference for what to do when they start seeing things come up in their own lab work or when they start suspecting that they might have a deeper issue with the gut, for example. We have several conversations around gut health and healing. We have some really practical conversations around eating and what do we need to be eating and how can we leverage things like spices to massively reduce inflammation and help us lose weight, for example. Your talk actually was one of my favorites because there's so many amazing uses for essential oils and so many things that we can do to clean up our environment. One of the things that affects endometriosis as I mentioned earlier, is this idea of estrogen dominance. And I was really surprised to find out that so many of the cleaning products I was using, the lotions I was putting on my body, my shampoo, detergents, like all these things that I'm using in my environment are full of xenoestrogens that are basically tripping up all my receptors on the inside and contributing to my disease state. So it's not enough just to go you know, on hormone therapy and to change your diet, but you have to clean up your whole environment. So your interview was a fantastic one as far as essential oils and what we could do. I actually, I've been using essential oils for several years, but after your talk, I went and like put together spray bottles and made my own cleaners because, you know, I've been using Myers cleaners for years and I was just, I just loved the idea of being able to mix things up myself. So, you know, I wanted to go a lot of places with this summit. I wanted people to women, especially to really understand fundamentally what's going on. I wanted women to feel acknowledged in what they're experiencing. You're not crazy. You know, you don't need to be on antidepressants to help you get well. (laughs) What you need is really good protocols on the health front, on the environment front, on the genetics front, on the hormone front to help you get well. And it's, it's jam packed. Like every conversation I, even though I've been in this space for so long, I feel like it was a boot camp for me. For sure. So I'm super honored to be able to bring this to my sisters. You know, I women rule the world and I want every woman to have the opportunity that I've had to really change course for the better and to reclaim your health and vitality. And you can do it and you don't have to believe that we're getting older and this is just the way that it is. You know, you don't have to believe that perimenopause and menopause means that you're going to be overcome with moodiness and weight gain and hot flashes and just a quality of life that's tanked. You know, life doesn't have to be that way. And there's so much that we can do to reclaim our health. I love it. And I love your mission. I love all the things that you're doing to help really create just the solutions that women are looking for. Misty, thank you so much again for coming on, not only sharing your story, but sharing your wisdom and and giving women a voice to advocate for themselves when so often we are dismissed in this in this healthcare system. Yeah, that's right. Dismissed is the right word. And even hearing you say that kind of just like makes my muscles tense a little bit because we've got to change that. You know, we've got to, we've got to come together as women and, and find ways of having our voices respected and heard and moving the needle and supporting each other. You know, the hardest part of this is feeling like you're doing it alone and you don't have to do it alone. There is a sisterhood that will support you in reclaiming your life. And we're going to do that together. I love it. Well, thank you so much, my dear, for coming on. I can't wait for the summit. It's coming out really, really soon. And congratulations on putting together this amazing event. And thank you so much for including me as well. 
Of course. Thank you so much for joining and promoting and being so supportive. You're such a great advocate for women. I'm so glad you're one of my sisters. Aw. All right, honey. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Wow. I don't know about you, but Misty's journey and mission really, really resonates with me. I know because I've been there. I have been misdiagnosed or told that nothing was wrong when clearly something was terribly wrong with me. Now, if you would like to get to the bottom of your hormone questions and concerns, Misty has brought together some of the best experts in the field of women's hormone health to shine the light on getting your body back on track. And I'm so grateful that she created such a wonderful gift, her free hormone lab tracker. And the reason for that is it's important to be able to discover which tests you should run and knowing those optimal values to help guide your healing journey, including panels for hormones, lipids, thyroid, CBC, infectious diseases, and more. Now, the ranges and information contained in this wonderful gift are going to help you really create those changes and have that conversation with your functional practitioner and also help you to become an advocate for your own wellness journey, which I think is super important. I also hope that you decide that you want to join us on October 1st to listen in on all these incredible interviews at the Fix for Your Female Hormone Summit. We're going to be teaching you about how to regain energy, recharge your brain, overcome illness, and really get your body back on track, which I don't know about you, but that is such an important thing for me. I remember when my body was not on track forever, and it just it messed up everything. It, 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 it just dominated so much of my life. So how you can register and get this epic free gift is you just got to go back over to my show notes at drmarisa.com slash episode 38 to just click the link and register. I'm excited to see you at the online event. I hope you get to check out my personal interview. We had such a great time. And as always, thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. The upcoming episode, which I know you guys are already looking forward to, is devoted to self-care mastery. Now are you excited? And it's going to be with my dear friend and essential oil goddess, Brianne Hovey. Brianne has literally cued into something very, very special regarding self-care and you are not going to want to miss how she sets you up for success by shifting your belief. Until then, until the next episode, have a beautiful day.